All right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Return, and today we are going to continue uh, with what we started talking about last week, which was talking about the judgments of God, um, the wrath of God, and we wanted to kind of break it down in a few different episodes, and so we're going to continue with that, but focusing today on uh, what we like to say as Jesus in red and um we pull that from Isaiah 63. So yeah, lots to get to and we're going to just jump right in. Okay, you guys. So continuing just in this theme of uh, the judgments of God and, and the wrath of God. There is a lot to be said on this, and obviously it's not a topic that is very popular in, um, in I guess, probably Western, modern Christianity, charismatic Christianity, but it is in the Bible, and it is so important, and um, I just want to say, kind of to start off, that probably some of the things that we're going to talk about today might be new ideas uh, to you. And if they are, I, I just want to encourage you, like it can take a lot of time to kind of, I don't know, transfer from one idea or, or something that we had in our mind to something else. And I just want to say, give yourself time and, and space to understand these things. Um, meaning if, if some of what we say today is shocking, don't, you know, let it, overwhelm you but go to the bible and and look for these passages yourself wrestle with the different verses because that's something that we've been doing for the last number of years and so we're building more confidence now with what the word says yeah and we're still on our journey because um i mean you'll see what we're going to talk about in a minute but these are radically different ideas than what our Western perception of Jesus has been. And um, that's to talk just about Jesus in red and, and this concept of Jesus as a judge who is also a warrior. And uh, he really will and is going to come and cleanse the earth of unrighteousness, of wickedness. And he really is a God who will give us what we want and what we choose and as our sins deserve again if you don't call on his mercy and on the fact that he poured out his wrath on jesus so that he wouldn't have to do it on believers on the church and so anyways we've talked about that in previous episodes but i just kind of wanted to set that up as the premise and so to start um well actually even before we get to isaiah 63 we did talk a little bit about Isaiah 45 in, and I think a couple of the previous uh, episodes, but I just wanted to start there very briefly to say that the beauty of Jesus. You mean, you mean Psalm 45? Yeah. What did I say? Isaiah 45? Isaiah. Sorry. Psalm 45. To say that the beauty of Jesus is revealed in a different level and way. Uh, through his judgments and and we want to unfold that a little bit but I want to start again by saying the first five words of the book of Revelation 
is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so everything that we see in Revelation related to him releasing judgments to him in Revelation 5, going and taking the scroll from the Father, which is the title deed of the earth, by him taking that scroll, he is also taking on the responsibility and, and he has the ability to cleanse the earth of wickedness and and injustice and anyways it's all tied to the revealing of who jesus is his beauty and his majesty and so i wanted to just tie in at the beginning again psalm 45 where it's actually this poetic love song right from the father describing jesus and it starts off you know with the writer saying my tongue is a pen of a ready writer you know um talking about Jesus, you're the most fair among all the sons of men, uh, the fairest of 10,000. And then he goes on and he says, gird your sword upon your side, almighty one, and ride on for the sake of truth, humility, and justice. And then he says, uh, later on in the verses, it says, you love righteousness and you hate wickedness more than any other. Therefore, you've been anointed with the oil of gladness. And I'm wanting to just start off there because, again, the beauty of Jesus seen in his judgments is an ocean of revelation that we have to tap into. And this has been something that's been on your mind and heart um, as of recently. And you're even starting to write a book mm-hmm. about Jesus in red. But why, how, and and why do we see the beauty of Jesus in his judgments? Well, first of all, we know that this is a song of the Father to Jesus, not because we interpret it like that. It's because Hebrews 1 says, this is what the Father said about his Son. And he lists a a few chapters of different Psalms. And one of those is Psalm 45. And that's why we know that the book of Hebrews endorses the idea that is the Father explaining the magnificent, the the magnificent of of Jesus, the the majesty that He has in His second coming, and even greater than anyone else as a priest. So that's the whole book of Hebrews is exalting Jesus about any other man, any other God, and even beyond the law, He is above everything. So part of his, um, the book of Hebrews tells us that the beauty of the sun and part of his majesty is the revelation that we find in Psalm 45, which is he is a right, uh, a just uh, judge of the earth. So, so he's going to come and he's going to cleanse the earth. And the father is seeing it like this is beautiful. So we don't see... Um, Jesus in red, which we're going to explain more later, as beautiful by default or just naturally, because we we have clouds in our, in our eyes, like we we have fog in our understanding, but the Father doesn't. So I want to be like the Father, therefore I need to get along His definition of beauty instead of trying to figure it out myself. So having said that, knowing that the Father is singing that song and the Father calls Jesus' judgment beautiful, I it's better that we start the journey of saying, I want to redefine beauty in my understanding. And um, so, yeah, that's what we have in Psalm 45 is 
the sec the procession of the second coming of Jesus that is coming for his bride. Yeah. It's in the context of a beautiful bridegroom that is a judge, but is also a warrior and is coming for a bride. You see at the end of Psalm 45, you see the queen is adorned and is standing at his right hand in the middle of all of this. It seems like there's no scandalous thing. Like the bride is not saying, oh, slow down, my dear. She is glorified with him in the middle of judgments. He's like the bridegroom, Jesus taking the stand, the stand to um, erase wickedness from the earth. It seems like the finally the gold of the bride in her garments starts shining brighter on the earth because the veil is removed. Like Isaiah 45 says that the veil that covers the nations, 25, is removed. And finally, people can see the beauty of Jesus, but also can see the beauty of the bride, which is the church. Yeah. And that's what Colossians says in chapter 3, verse, verse 1 to 4, says that when Jesus is revealed in the sky, we will be revealed with him. Mm-hmm. So our beauty, our glory, our destiny is attached uh, to him mm-hmm. as a judge, as a, as a Jesus in red. And we say Jesus in red because... Yeah, so that kind of sets us up for Isaiah 63, which is... Isaiah 63 is one of the primary passages that we see this, but it's actually not the only passage. But Jesus in red is because in Isaiah 63, in Revelation um, 19. 19, but also Revelation where uh, the, the blood is... Anyways, whatever. It talks about um, Jesus having blood sprinkled on his garments as he is returning to the earth. And the reason he has blood sprinkled on his garments is it says that he comes and he treads the winepress of the wrath of God. Now, what what is a winepress? A winepress, <clears throat> you know, back in, in ancient Israel would have been at the time of the harvest, you gather the grapes and you, you put them in this big, I mean, usually it's like a stone wine press and you just fill this massive thing. And then what happens is a few people, it was usually a time of celebration, I'm pretty sure, a few people would all jump in this wine press barefoot and they would start stomping on the grapes to, to produce the juice that would then flow out of the wine press and, and produce wine. And... The imagery of the winepress of the wrath of God, we get that language in uh, Revelation as well. The imagery is that the nations are gathered together. At at the time of Jesus' return, they're surrounding Jerusalem because they they actually know that Jesus is coming back and they are deceived and and, uh, in delusion about the fact that they think they can actually make war against Jesus and win. That's why we see, you know, this, you're probably familiar with the army or the battle of Armageddon. What happens is the Antichrist is gathering the armies of all of the kings of the earth. And they are, they know that they are fighting against Jesus. They know, and, and like, meaning they're not just deceived into not knowing exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They are deceived, but they know exactly what they're doing. And they voluntarily agree to sign up to fight against Jesus and to reject him. They are raging against God. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that 
he gathers them. Joel 3 talks about this. The Lord gathers these armies and these kings of the earth to Jerusalem, and then it calls it the wine press, wine press of the wrath of God, where the imagery is that Jesus comes back and he actually begins to trample on these armies, on these kings of the earth, and it says that their blood is actually sprinkled on his garment. So Isaiah 63 talks about this. I'll just read it a little bit, and then you can go back later. It says, who is this who comes from Edom, which is modern-day Jordan, in crimson garments from Basra, who, he who is splendid in his apparel. There's beauty in, in Jesus' clothing. Marching in the greatness of his strength. And then goes into quotations. It is I, Jesus, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. And then there's a question asked. Why is your apparel red and your garments like he who treads the winepress? And then Jesus speaks again. I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger, trampled them in my wrath, and their blood was spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart. The year of my redemption has come. And I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled because there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation, and my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Intense verses, right? But what's happening here is when he says that there's from the peoples, no one was with him. What, what is actually happening at this point? I mean, just very quickly to put it in the timeline and I apologize if some of this is going a little bit too fast for some of you, but what's happening at this point is The saints have been raptured because the seventh trumpet has sounded and Jesus is making his procession around the earth. And what happens is when he comes down to the earth, he he comes somewhere around Edom and Basra. We know that and there's other verses that we could talk about that um, confirm that. And he comes up almost like repeating the same uh, path that the Israelites took out of Egypt. Jesus comes again like a greater Moses, like a greater Joshua. And he comes up and he's making his way towards Jerusalem to meet these armies that are coming against him. And when it says that no one from the peoples was with him, it means at that time, all of the armies, all of the kings of the earth, none of them agree with his leadership. None of them want anything to do with him. They are raging against God and they actually believe that they can fight against him. And so what happens is he comes and he starts trampling them in the wine press and his their blood is is spattered on his garments yeah so we have jesus was dressed in red twice once in the first coming for atonement and it was his own blood but in the second coming he's in white to because he's clean he's a priest but now the blood is not a sacrificial blood is actually a, is the enemies, and it's intense because um, I think God has more than four hundred names in the Bible. The name that is mentioned ten times more than any other name is the Lord of Hosts, which is a, a name for for Jesus pre-incarnate. The so, warrior king. Yeah, he's a warrior. He is the captain of the armies of Israel and in heaven. So when he's coming as a warrior, now he's 
completely in red, but this time is not because he was weak and he was delivered to die, but now he is killing his enemies himself. And um, again, this is scandalous if we have a Western mindset, but just think about it. Um, when, when Hitler died, it was a time for celebration and relief on the earth. It was a time when he chose, he had many opportunities, but he chose that lifestyle and he, he needed to be stopped at any cost. Many people died trying to destroy Hitler, armies from different parts in the United States, Canada, and England. Millions of people died as heroes and we still, 75 years later, we still thinking about them and honoring them because they died trying to stop this villain. How much more the Antichrist that is destroying the earth, rallying kings of the earth to systematically kill the Jewish people and believers and believers and destroy the earth and blaspheme God. When Jesus appears in the 11th hour, when everything is seems like it's lost, he appears as with a glorified, he can't die anymore because he already died. And when he appears and he gathers all the villains in the wine press of the Valley of Armageddon, I mean, in the, in our, in the Armageddon battle, that, that's going to be not like, oh, how God, you can be good and do this. It's going to be like, we love you. You are amazing. You are greater than any veteran, hero, any movie, any war. You are the, you are amazing. <laughs> like, it's going to be such a, because like you said, culturally, the wine press was a season of celebration that we had a good harvest. Mm -hmm. And we're going to celebrate that he harvested the tares but, and, and the wheat and he, he all harvested us and he harvested the bad people. He separated as a good judge and he's finally giving the kingdom to the saints yeah without any wicked man without like some uh isaiah 2 says that all all the pride of man will be put to nothing and only he will be exalted so no more pride no no more boasting people with power that you can't touch them because they have armies and they are villains and they have more money and it's gone. It's done. And mm -hmm. so this is a celebration for us. Instead of putting a, like, a, how you dare, Lord, and you're good, but how can you do this? It's more like we need to get into the Bible narrative and say, we need a judge on yeah. the earth. And now I want to make a difference. When we say we love the judgments of God, we're not saying that last month earthquake in somewhere we're not we're not celebrating that judgment. Yeah, like ha ha, you had it coming. Yeah, no. When we say judgments, that we celebrate the judgments of God, it's specifically in the last three and a half years. We're talking about the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls of wrath. Other than that, we ask for mercy. Mm -hmm. So, if we we just want to clarify that because once you have that clear, ninety percent of the body of Christ will get that. Like we'll say, yeah, we we'll go with that. And sometimes when, when we say we love the judgments of God, people are like, no, what about the cross and the mercy of God? Of course, but we're talking specifically about the last three and a half years plus the 30 days. Yeah.
the beauty of the cross is that it that actually is the beauty of the judgment of God as yeah. well. Again, he poured out his wrath on Jesus so that we would not have to experience his wrath. Yeah. And and those judgments, the seven seals, trumpets and bowls, they aren't for the saints. We are not appointed to wrath. We have been saved through Jesus. And so they are not for the saints. Though will we experience some of the effect of it? Yes, absolutely. We see that in specifically, I believe the first four seals, we will be affected by it. You know, there's world wars, there's famines, blah, blah, blah. And yet at the same time, we are going to see this supernatural inbreaking of power of, of the harvest at the end of the age. It is going to be an amazing time for the church, especially as we know, we are only three and a half years away from seeing Jesus. Mm -hmm. He gives us that time so clearly. He says it like three different ways. He says it's going to be for times, time and half a time, three and a half years. It's going to be for 42 months and it's going to be for 1260 days. All of those are the exact same time. And he tells us. So it's something that we are looking forward to and excited about. And I, I want to just touch on something that you said that Actually, when Jesus pours out his judgments in the book of Revelation, almost every time he does that, there's a, a break in Revelation where it says the saints or, or the angels or the people around the throne in heaven actually start singing their agreement with yeah. his judgment. It says, you are righteous, oh God. Your judgments are true. You've come to judge uh, the living and the dead. And and there's this agreement with God and his righteousness, you know, in that time. And so though these verses are very intense, Psalm 110 adds the fact that Jesus is actually going to come and execute the heads of kings in that day. And, and there's plenty of verses for real, plenty of verses that talk about that in the Bible. But again, going back to what I kind of said in the beginning, this is this takes a mindset shift. It takes a step by step kind of baby steps, getting ourselves to think this way and agree with Jesus's leadership and his judgments. And I mean, there's so much more to be said on it because I think a, a big aspect for us to understand is even in Isaiah 63, I read this verse four, it talks about the year of his redeemed has come. The, the fifth seal is all about the martyrs who have died, you know, either from the harlot Babylon persecuting them or, or the antichrist, you know, martyring people in the church, they're crying out for Jesus to avenge our blood. And what we see happen when the bowls of wrath get poured out it there, this is one of kind of my favorite verses in revelation. And at the same time, it's so scandalous is we see this angel or this eagle proclaiming the everlasting gospel. What it, but what it says is you're righteous, O Lord, and your judgments are right because the earth has drunk the blood of the saints and now you're giving them blood to drink because that happens in context to the waters of the earth being turned to blood. Mm -hmm. And so actually part of the aspect of these judgments is Jesus showing his zeal and his love for his bride that he's he actually is going to avenge the blood of the saints he's going to avenge you know the wrong the fact that matthew 24 says we're hated by all nations mm -hmm. this is in context to 
the redeemed inheriting the kingdom that we see in Daniel 7. Yeah. And so there is so much um, on this. And again, this is a an ocean of the beauty of God that is yet to be discovered. And I know that just saying that is it could sound a little bit confusing, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you're, you'll start to understand that there is much to be discovered here. But I just want to kind of start wrapping it up by by saying that um, we, though this is shocking, something that I've loved from learning from Mike Bickle is saying these things of, Lord, I want to be shocked now rather than shocked then. Yeah. Meaning, I want to feel like the stunning, I don't know, I guess just shock of this on my heart now and wrestle through my um, my feelings with this, wrestle through the sentiments I have on this, you know, wrestle through the arguments. I want to do that now rather than in that day when things are going down and it'll be easier to, to be offended. It'll be easier yeah. to be upset if we don't understand why and, and what the Bible has to say about it. So I just want to say, again, the beauty of Jesus in his judgments, if we wrestle with those now, we are setting ourselves up to agree with his, his judgments and his leadership when those things begin to happen. Yeah. It's better, it's better now and start loving him. Um, I rem remember the moment that it clicked in my spirit and now when I'm studying, because I'm doing a book about that specifically, and I don't see, uh, like, I've received grace to, to see it as the beauty of Jesus. So every time, I, now I'm studying the judgments in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and I'm, I'm going through Jesus as a judge, and I don't feel that like the ooh anymore or the fear now i'm like this is an extension of revelation five or four i'm seeing the complete beauty of jesus so it's gonna take a moment when it, it clicks and i'm not saying uh, now i know everything but i something the lord did through the revelation of his holy spirit then now it's an extension of his beauty and i just want to encourage you on that yes you don't want to come unprepared but also you want to start discovering the wonder of Jesus as the judge of yeah. all the nations. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think just to close it up, some, you mentioned this earlier that when Jesus came the first time, it was his own blood mm -hmm. that was on you know, his garments. It, he spilt his own blood. And that's part of what we see in Revelation 5. Revelation 5 is massive. Yeah. That the fact that there is only one worthy to take the scroll and it's the slain lamb. Like, just think about the, the meekness, the humility of God. That he went first and died and suffered and bled and was beaten. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows actually what it is to bear the wrath of God. And it's Jesus, the slain lamb, that's pouring out the judgments. It's kind of like, you know, you all have that person in your life that you just think like that person is just a saint, you know? And, and if you were to imagine that person to go up to someone else and slap them across the face, you're not wondering like, oh gosh, what did that person do? You're probably thinking, oh, that person deserved that slap because the person who's, who's yeah, doing uh, it, you know? 
And if you just think about, I mean, that's a lame example, but you think about Jesus, the slain lamb is the one pouring out the judgments. He's doing it in the the capacity and, and the necessity of what the wickedness of the earth demands. And again, there's this <clears throat> phrase that we've said for years, and I think it it's amazing that God uses uh, the the least severe means to reach the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. Meaning he will use the least severe amount of judgment needed, which from what we see in the book of Revelation, that is, that is the least severe means that he uses to reach the greatest number of people. Again, Second Peter talks about that he, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, but he desires that all would come to the, to the knowledge of the truth. He's slow to anger because he wants people in the kingdom. So he'll reach the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love, that we would be wholehearted, the first commandment in first place, without violating your free will. Because love is only love if you can choose it. And so... That is what is happening in Revelation is he's fighting against everything that would hinder him from being able to dwell with the saints in love. And, and that is why his, his justice is so necessary, mm-hmm. is to rid the earth of wickedness, to rid the earth of things that would hinder and oppose his leadership. And so all of that to say, there is a lot here, and I hope that this is encouraging to you to begin to just jump into it a little bit more and I think we'll probably try to do at least another episode on this to look maybe at some of the judgments that we see in Revelation but in the meantime go talk to Jesus about Jesus in red and and even commit to him Lord I want to I want to stand with you I want to I want to agree with who you are if this is an aspect of what you have said that you will come like this. I want to agree with that. So you guys, we will see you next time. 